The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Moscow Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, and the list is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. The fight in question, of course, will be UFC on, on ESPN Plus 21, UFC Moscow, UFC Fight Night 163, UFC Fight Night, Magomed Sharapov vs. Cater. Uh, of course, that will... <clears throat> follow a brief uh, recap, more just technical results and picks, not too much heavy news notes of the previous card, which was a small little card you might or might not have seen called UFC 244. And a couple of few notes after that. I haven't talked to you guys since Halloween. Yeah, that's right, it was Halloween. It didn't really feel like Halloween. I was getting a bunch of tests run. I'm okay. Got some fun medication, which I just ran through, and uh, still not sure if I'm feeling any better. Still got a little bit of heaviness over the... Uh, Left chest. I really don't think it's my lungs or anything at this point, or, or a heart attack. Thank you, listener of the podcast, Die Adams. As, as you know me, I will, I will retweet you guys, even if you're taking shots, because it's all fun. Uh, I, I just appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and speaking the lingo. But yeah, Die Adams, Dan Tom, is the kind of guy to record a podcast while having a heart attack. Thankfully, that was not the case either. Um, although I am still skeptical about uh, you know certain tests, but. Uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right, I guess. I'm just gonna, I got a, I got a follow-up appointment next week, folks. I'm just gonna tough it out and try to chalk this up to, uh, you know, stress or something. <laughs> That's healthy. But, uh, but yeah, lot, lots going on, lots going on. We're gonna keep it to business here, uh, uh on the breakdowns. Uh, hopefully you guys had a good Halloween, though. Better than mine, obviously. Um, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed or at least weren't too bothered by uh, my timeline takeover. It was late night because it got a later start to the podcast, obviously, with the Halloween going as it did. But uh, the uh, From Dust Till Dawn live tweet, that was kind of a long overdue one. Easy to do. I didn't have to do any prep for that one. I kind of already like just just no just uber facts. I just kind of mute myself at some points. But uh, so hopefully that wasn't too painful. And if you enjoyed it, well, thank you. If you're interested. Extra thank you. Going to do it again for Thanksgiving. That one I don't think I'm going to cast a vote on. I think I'm just going to steal because uh, steal an idea. Not really steal an idea, but like uh, um, I even said it. I think uh, who was it? Oh, it was uh, Fernanda. Fernanda Prentice. She tweeted a cobra at Stallone eating the pizza from a cobra, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen Cobra in a while. That was another movie I grew up watching. So I think I'm going to live tweet Cobra on Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving uh, Eve there. So that'll be that for that one, and then for uh, maybe I'll do the long overdue Die Hard. You know that was that's kind of everybody does that one, but for Christmas we'll see, folks. But feel free to chime in. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed that. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know what? Let's get into this recap because a lot of the other things um, I talk about will kind of be a part of this UFC 244 recap. Of course, went down in uh, in, in the garden. The garden is eaten, Madison Square Garden, New York. Um, 
man, I still still haven't been to a show there. I went to the Barclays for USC 223. Still never been to the Garden for anything, even when I lived there, which was just a bummer. Um, wow. I'm pulling up results here. There it is. Uh, let's go from top to bottom on these uh, results uh, real quick. Overall, was a five to seven in picks, uh, which is terrible. Of course, this was a popular. Again, folks, remember if if it's if it's popular, Dan Tom is getting it wrong. I mean, if if eyes are on it, Dan Tom is getting it wrong. And these popular cards, I just get my shit pushed in. And I think a lot of people did. And, and I'm not trying to play the violin for myself here. I think you know to be fair, but. Because it was just competitive, fun matchup. There was just there was a lot of a lot of shit that could happen. Even the ones where you had pretty ironed out, like the you know uh, you, you think you'd have ironed out, and they just go in you know crazy directions, like Lee Gillespie, which we'll get to. But um, off the top, uh, we had uh, oh by the way, it was, ooh, no props, one and oh, yeah, yeah, didn't do too well. Um, one and oh props and oh and one oh and. One slash three straight picks. Oh, I probably had a bunch of yeah biases. That's why I have that dual number there. Sorry, NA and parlay pieces, which will spoiler alert probably be another NA for parlay pieces for this upcoming card. But I do have some couple plays and stuff to look out for. So there are things to look out for here. But we're not there yet. Uh, George Montfall defeated Nate Diaz. I did get that one right. I mean, I, I guess, but I mean, it was a uh, you know, I'm sure the Diaz fans will be like, oh, bro, we didn't get to see he was coming back. That's tough. You know, you, you know, Masvidal's going to get mad if you say he's ever tired or this or that. And I didn't say he ever really did. It's just more just the, at light, you know, at lightweight, I think those problems were more attributed to the weight cut. So I didn't think that was going to be a problem here. That's why I still ended up picking Masvidal by decision, which may have gone to just knowing how durable and tough Nate is, despite his skin hanging off his face. Um, I did tweet, despite the controversy and BS, it was nice to see... Uh, Roberto Duran, you know, uh, hold the BMF belt there with uh, Masvidal, kind of getting that moment. Um, but uh, I wasn't, so I guess I wasn't really even too mad at it at the time. But I guess I, I cooled like everybody else once you kind of just saw more. And then hearing that doctors, uh, you know, granted, you know, might not be the best or whatever. I know Mike Chandler had an issue with him as well. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, just, you know, seeing the the hate replies and stuff and like, yeah, it's... It's hard to expect guys to step up and stop fights and protect these fighters that we all keep complaining about when we also have this reaction. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, you know, the Rock Gold doing this thing, that was kind of weird, you know. When, like, you smell the Rock is going to came out, like, me and my buddy Brian's kind of looked at each other like, what? Really? <laughs> and I'm usually, like, a pro wrestling guy, too, So, but I'm like, I was kind of like, all right, this is a little... We're dancing a little close to the line, but thankfully the fight started. We had the badass walkouts. Um, Masvidal hit that sweet elbow early. I think I gave him, I think, a 10-8 in round one. Uh, I don't remember round two. And then, yeah, I mean, Nate started finding a bit of his groove, and he cut Masvidal. Uh, but, you know, Masvidal was holding his ground and planning and hitting counter still by the end of the round, so it wasn't getting overwhelmed. But Nate was still fighting his way back into the fight. You can't deny him that. Would he have won the fight? I don't think so, but... You know, so again, there's there's truth to both sides. It's just you can't go all the way one side or all the way the other. But that's also what we do in this country, and we were reminded of that no more by with the whole presidential thing. And all I'm gonna say about really this, folks, is, I mean, you already know me. I'm not I'm not trying to beat your guys' heads with my own personal politics, or I guess I should say non-politics. I'm not, you know, 
really into that, which I guess that's a crime too. You know, you just see like tweets like, oh, I, I get it. Politics are a part of our life. I get it. I would rather be an informed person. I get I'm not saying I'm preaching ignorance or ignorance is the way, but God damn, I'm sorry. Maybe because Dan Tom's going, you know, maybe whether it's like where there's actual real news, like Walt Harris's daughter, like Anaya, or, you know, Vince Murdoch's brain, or, you know, uh, you know, you know, my own personal experience is my mother's going to be having a, a possibly life-threatening, life-altering brain aneurysm surgery here coming in a couple weeks. I'm sorry if my heart's a little heavy, and it's literally heavy for, for God knows what reason I'm kind of trying to go to the doctor for. I I care more about those things in life than this political charade that really is all versions of it going back to any types of government, not just from United States or you read about, go read about European history and kings or just, it, it's a fucking calamity. And we waste so many goddamn calories on it. We always have. And now with social media constantly in our face, we can't avoid it to where I try to, have a decently parsed list, even though my followers are out of control. And uh, shouts to Alex Caffetti, who reminded me <laughs> to watch out for, for people you follow. Because I, I still have people that I followed from like those fucking adder days from like 2015 and shit. I've never gotten rid of it because I feel like a dick unfollowing people unless I have good reason where I see some like bullshit racist stuff. And then I'll, obviously I'll hit the unfollow there. Where the fuck was I going with that? But uh, but yeah, like I, I – oh yeah. But like even like you know just normally like just – Politics bleed way too much into my t- my MMA timeline. I'm just like, fuck, man. Can we just? I get it. Like, I- I'm not a Trump for what. It- and full disclosure, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm not Republican. Uh, the times I voted, I voted uh, Democrat. Uh, uh, Kerry and Obama. Like, I for for whatever the fuck that's worth. Like, I, I it's not about that. Like, I'm just so like, I'm sure he's not a great. I'm sure, but at the same time. If all the fucking tweets in our timeline were that fucking violent republic, wouldn't the world be burning by now? Wouldn't it be burning? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not even trying to get in that. I'm not even trying to argue because I'm, I'm ignorant on that. And I'm self-admitted on that. The point is, this is MMA. Uh, this is an MMA podcast. And the point is, if you've been following MMA, seeing a guy like Trump is not going to be fucking that abnormal. He, if you've been around since the goddamn affliction days, like you know, like you know, he's been he's been. Buds with Dana, and I'm not saying you need to like that or fucking cheer that on, but like, do we have to act like it's a surprise? And like, I know it's just this we have to, everybody has to be offended. And even if you have a right to be offended, and even if I agree with you, which by the way, most of the people complaining about Trump, I agree with you. It's, I mean, how much are we, but how much are we gonna fucking commit to this? I mean, fuck, man. Like, we can't even, why do I, why, why can't, why can't I just bring up? Trump without having to qualify shit. Why can't I say that name? Why can't I say, you know, like, yes, rape is bad. Yes, this is bad. Do we, and we'll get to it too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to skimp out when we get to some domestic abuse because it's not just one person on the card, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But like, so don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not opposed to throwing shade where it's deserved. I'm just saying, how dead does the horse have to be? And at what the cost of the objective, because I'm pretty sure we're here to watch mixed martial arts, not talk about Trump or give that fucking guy any more attention. I don't know. Now, at the same time, I do see the side where that's fucking huge. We had a, we had a U.S. president showing up to mixed martial arts. And those of you who've been following the sport for a while know that this, this, this thing was looked at like in the dark ages. You know, I, I remember, you know, going to, uh, working at a sandwich shop next to my karate school and you know, guys from like K1 tournaments or even UFC from back in the day would come in and, um, you know, or, you know, come in and, you know, uh, and 
it was just like you look at these guys like holy shit this is like some un- these are like underground you hear about this stuff oh they're actually competing because you'd see the k1 posters back when cokes was uh, involved back here in vegas like late 90s or you know early, you know uh, ish um and uh and yeah man like so just to see that is pretty crazy so that is big you know that is you know whether you like the president or not that's big i'm sorry folks um but yeah i just uh, it just was just making me sick you know my my heart's already so goddamn heavy with like again real stuff related to mma or to personal plus all the stuff going on in mma which is more than enough to chew on like do we do we really got to do this, people? Do we got to waste all this time on it? Anyways, I wasted too much time talking about it already. I'm going to heed my own advice on that and shut the fuck up. All right. Uh, Darren Till defeated Kelvin Gastelum. Um, yeah, I didn't ex- I didn't see that coming, but but good on Darren Till. You're fucking right, Dan. You're fucking doubted me. You keep fucking picking me against me. I'm sorry, Darren. You're right. You know, you're right. You, 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 you got it done. Um, man. Diego Sanchez came at him hard for admitting his feelings, huh? Hey, uh, Diego Sanchez was a person I put on that matchmaking article if he was going to stay at welterweight. <laughs> that was kind of funny, right? But uh, but no, uh, I, I appreciate Darren Till being, being so honest like that, man. I, that, that's just kind of why he's so damn likable. Again, just because I don't pick him doesn't mean I don't like the guy, all right, folks? Uh, he's, he's definitely a, you know, a likable, uh, charismatic dude. And uh, Kelvin, you know, I don't know, man. You know, he didn't look great. He didn't... You know, the whole scale thing. Um, I don't know, man. I, I got. I haven't watched any of these fights back, so forgive me. But um, but yeah, this one was kind of just like you were just. I remember just watching, going, "Is this really happening?" Ah, all right. And then again, God damn it, why do I pick against you know the one guy? I, you know, I was just hailing that I didn't pick against forever, and I finally pick against him for the first time. That is, of course, Stephen Thompson, who ended up defeating Vincente Luque in the nice guy competition of badasses. Um, and Stephen Thompson definitely put on a performance of a career. It was amazing. Uh, it was just so awesome to watch. It was such a great, great fight. Uh, Vincente Luque not just showed his toughness, but he also showed anybody picking him wasn't quite crazy. He was able to, you know, uh, lead his way in with the low kicks and then, you know, throw away right hands to left hooks to hit, hit Thompson, um, Kind of similar to the way Jorge did, throwing away the right hand to the left hook. Uh, got him in the, third, in the third round in his fight with Thompson. But even though Vincente was able to make contact earlier than Jorge was, did not matter. The, uh, the defense, which was there, and I wasn't doubting that, but it was just, was, was Thompson going to be a, a pull trick? You know, it was, would have been a dangerous one to pull the trigger if he was fully functioning and never knocked out, much less coming off a knockout. And he goes out and puts on one of the most ballsiest performances, so... You know, breaking both of his hands in the process. So props to Stephen Thompson, man. Happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong on that one. Um, you know, I, I, it was only a small, uh, a small shot I took on Luke, but was was totally fine being wrong on that bet, man. I tell you, not many times where you can honestly say that and mean it 100. percent Derek Lewis defeated Blagoy. Like boy. <laughs> Even off, you guys like the Blago. <laughs> that one was a little too left field, even for old Dan Tom. But you guys like the Blago. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could have gone either way. I, I know some people are upset with that. Uh, obviously, I bet Blagoy, so I was a little biased, but I, I wasn't upset because again, just because I pick against Derek Lewis all the time doesn't mean I don't like Derek. I do like Derek Lewis, folks. Um, but it's just like, yeah, just you know, 
you don't know what to, you don't know what to, to make of Derek Lewis. It's hard to take him seriously, you know? And um, I really wasn't sold with the weight thing, you know? And I would argue that, you know, he won fair and square. I don't, I'm not upset by it by any means. But at the same time, I, I really didn't see much difference from Derek Lewis. I don't think that extra 20 pounds, I'm not sure how much of a difference it made. I'm sure it made a difference. I'm sure he felt better. He's definitely healthier for it. But again... And not trying to throw shade at, at uh, you know, uh, that guy Lou, Lou Giordano looks like he's trying to diversify, you know, uh, seems much more humble in interviews I've seen lately, uh, just, you know, doing his thing. And I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to hate on that. But you know, I, from the track record and everything from both, I just, there, there wasn't much there. And when you look at the performance, I mean, we've seen Derek Lewis do this before. Um, it wasn't like his cardio was any better. He, he fights in bursts all the time. It's just... And it's hard to say he fought a little smarter because, again, we it's so hard to know his freaking prerogative. Like, did he fight smarter or did he just do things at the right time? You know, and I'm not trying to discredit him, but that's the truth. You don't know with him, you know. Uh, and so and what he did do at the right time with the aforementioned burst, he was bursting at the right time. This was like um, – this, this reminded me of Vanderlei Silva, Michael Bisping, you know. Um, it's kind of the – and this is also kind of goes back to those wrestling versus striking trends, kind of like we talked about with uh, uh, Darren Stewart and um, little DC guy. What's his name? Darren Wynn and Darren Stewart. Yeah. Uh, and and how, you know, just the get up game, it, you know, uh, the, you know, the get up game, unless you can make guys pay and have a, either a sick control game or make guys really pay in transition. Um, if you got a good get-up game, then you're going to be getting up. And the higher you get in weight, the less transitional threats you're going to see. So unless you're stuck underneath, of course, that is a big problem, the heavier you're getting weight. But unless that happens, then we're seeing guys get up a lot easier. And that striker versus grappling dynamic has changed as far as the action goes. Moreover, judging has also changed, where... Take late takedowns aren't winning the rounds as much. We've seen a trend in that in the last couple of years, right, guys and girls? We've also seen kind of like you know it was a new thing. It was almost like a new thing when when Vanderlei Silva did it to uh, Michael Bisping, where like you know Michael Bisping, you could argue won like eighty five percent of each round, but was lost big moments at the very end, getting the round stolen, uh, and uh, that kind of hap- and that kind of happened here. Moments over consistent. Um, Consistent work. That's what I wrote in my notes. Moment striking versus wrestling trends, moments over consistent work. So if you can get up from those wrestlings and make some big moments, even if that you own a smaller portion of the time stamp of that round, you could still very well win the rounds and much more so according to trends is the point I guess I'm trying to make here. And we saw that this fight very much scored like that in my opinion, you know. Um, did he get the submission? No, but he should be awarded for that submission catch. You know, again, I say this with if we're if 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 if, if it's mixed martial arts and if jujitsu and wrestling are arguably some of the biggest, most dominant since the very fucking beginning jump street martial arts, plus just the long length of history of fucking grappling means anything. Can we take some of the rules? Huh? Are we taking some of the prerogatives? Well, well, it works. We let him use it. Not only do we let him use it like takedowns, we score it. Why do we stop there? Because in wrestling or jujitsu, you're rewarded for passes, takedowns, advances, pins, control. In fact, they'll even score near submission catches because you have to score metric. You have to have a metric for what you are doing. 
If not, you better have a damn good understanding. And I think we all can agree that what do judges sadly understand the least? The grappling aspect. What I just made an argument has the most history and predominance and dominance in the fucking sport. Yet we don't fucking metric it besides takedowns, which I just said we're now even discounting and not even counting as much anymore. Not that I'm a big fan of the late takedown shit to steal rounds, but I'm just saying, right? So it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating, man. It makes guys like Damian Maya even fucking more awesome. They're able to implement the grappling game in this day and age. But goddamn, are the trend the trends, folks? Um, there's some there's some real trends here, especially if you're gamblers. You, you pick up on what I'm talking about here. So, so yeah, I got no argument with it. But uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not butthurt about the decision at all. But I just think it's important to kind of pick up on these trends because I think that's the more that's the bigger takeaway for me uh, from that. So I'm sorry to take too much not too much time on that fight, but I'm more to talk about that. That was the, the kind of the big key that I want to talk about from this card. We're going to blow through results here. Kevin Lee defeated Gregor Gillespie. Another fight I was happy to be wrong on. Um, I think I only put Gillespie in like one parlay. Maybe it was my for fun one just for, cause I do the main card picks, but like, yeah, of course I love Kevin Lee, man. Happy to see that guy come through. Um, and hopefully, you know, again, he, he's able to, to, to strengthen that connection and maybe have some, some good connection there with for us. Kevin Lee still very young, and uh, this was kind of just a a wake up call. Um, doesn't Gregor Gillespie kind of look like uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm George, George McFly. I'm your density. <laughs> Chris Crispin Glover, the only guy to successfully uh, sue Steven Spielberg. Undercard: Corey Anderson defeated Johnny Walker. Another one I was happy to be wrong on. Again, folks, I didn't put it on my avoid list, even though it was an avoid for me because I wanted Anderson to win. I just thought Johnny Walker was going to upset him, and I didn't want to ruin anybody's fun who was on Anderson or was on Walker. Um, and uh, definitely was happy to see Anderson win, man. Um, I know he's copping a lot of shit for like his post-fight thing, the drop, but that's hard, man. You, you know, I, I get it. Like you know, and that, that that's the that's what I hate about being on the media side is because I've, I'm a martial artist and and you know and have that 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 instinct first and have that chip on the shoulder like fighters have. I, I get that. I'm wired. I'm very much wired that way. So that's why it's very it sucks now to be the guy on the other side. where like, oh no, I'm the guy giving them the feel that looks like the fucking doubter. Oh great, I'm a fucking old bastard um but yeah so i but but yeah the same token i don't take it personally when these guys get upset because i understand that um so good for Corey. uh shane burgos defeated mock that was just fun as shit to watch wasn't it oh my god just i never seen a guy take so much glee in going for the body how about when shane burgos did a cruise i've never seen that a guy crucifix and then just just going to the body like that from the crucifix maybe that tko stoppage of ruined pots uh, was that Derek Lewis that did that too, or I don't know? But yeah, like I just that was just crazy. That was great. Good on Burgos. Um, oh, hard to see my boy Brad go down, but Evan Shabazian, 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 dude, he looked freaking good, man. Holy crap! The way the kid, you know, can come out composed and then just turn it on at the drop of a dime. The issue with Shabazian, and you know what the funny thing is, everyone's saying he's happy go lucky, and like. And I get that from his interviews. He definitely comes off that way, and that's that's why I thought he's likable. And I, but uh, I will say again, I kind of I, I kind of talked about this a bit on the uh, one of the after one of the contender series uh, when one of the Armenian guys was losing his his whole crew over there. Of course, it, when there's that little that scuffle and security happened, um, Edmund wasn't in the center of it, 
But ironically enough, the fight, he was the more high-profile guy, the guy with something to lose or should be behaving himself as a UFC fighter. And uh, he was the one acting out the most in that little altercation, looking for, like, circling, just who do I, like, almost like, who do I swing on? Like, it's like, dude, calm down, man. It was, it was, and he's a young guy, so I really wasn't, I get that, you know, and you probably get, you know, you're in that family spirit. Those Armenians, man, they get, they get wild, man. I, I you know, I, I, I grew up with some here, out here too. And, uh, you know, my, my, <laughs> my grappling coach lineage, you know, you know, Melanson is, you know, first only black belt under, uh, Carl Parisian, you know, he would just tell me, he's like, yeah, man, fucking Caro and Manny and all those guys going over their fucking family get-togethers, just a bunch of Armenians in track shit, smoking cigarettes, doing judo tosses in the front yard, scrapping, like, <laughs> like, there's a rowdy bunch, you know what I'm saying, like, and I appreciate that, they're, they're loyal as shit, um, so again, I wasn't hating, but the, I guess the, I'll just say this, this is just a fucking dark theme, the potential dv is the dark theme of the um but uh but yeah like it was just like when they got it broken up and they kind of someone told him to walk off and cool down i think security and he's just walking off i didn't see it but multiple people and media people uh me me saw him uh, uh, uh exhaling his uh anger that he wasn't able to get out uh, maybe by giving his girlfriend a shove which is not fucking cool um, so when I see something like that, I'm like, hey, how happy go lucky is this guy? There's something emotional there. You're going to do that shit. You're going to take it out on your, I think if someone pushes his buttons in there, that could, he's going to be his own undoing. He's talented, but just like all these guys, you know, they can be their own undoing. You know, I was watching that Izzy interview with Ariel and as you will say stuff and it'll be like, maybe he's the one that can, that can not go down the fucking Connor and the Tyson row. Maybe, but then he'll do other shit. And I'm just like, fuck man. Like, Izzy, are you still fucking on the people that, are, they don't say I knock up out. They're saying I can't beat Tavares. I'm like, dude, how far are we past you on the Tavares thing? Like, are you still on that? Enjoy your fucking. Like, he was like, uh, and like, he was even kind of coming off, like, almost kind of like, and he caught himself. He's like, no, let the people decide. But he was almost like, oh, I'm the, just the real BMF belt. Like, Izzy, relax, bro. You're a fucking badass, dude. Relax. But these guys, I love them. They're, they're great fighters, but they the really talented ones like this, it's just, it's the same story, man. They're going to be the ones that get in their own way. That being said, for what they can do in the cage, I'm in for the ride to see. Hopefully he uh, handles himself accordingly outside the cage. You're talking about Edmund. But, uh, and I'm not trying to throw shade there or judge someone on one moment. I'm sure that's a one small moment. Hey, maybe that's the only time it happened. Seems like a very nice guy. I've heard nothing but good, things, you know, outside of that. Ah. Um... So, yeah, let's see what he does next. All right. Hey, Jarzinho Rosenstrach. Rosenstrach. <laughs> somebody, somebody said, uh, somebody was just like, ah. Oh. He's like, the mensch. Someone's like, ah, oh, the mensch. Anyone even Rosenstrach won. Somebody tweeted me and said, the mensch came through. <laughs> the mensch with a pench who packs a pench. Fortunately, it was on one of my favorite heavyweights, Andre Arlovsky, but, uh, you know. Couldn't be happy for Jarzinho. Jar Jarzinho, sorry. <laughs> uh, Caitlin Chukagian. Hey, you know, for for not really doing study or much of a breakdown, I was pretty right on this one. Uh, you know, Chooks, Chooks, Chooks Air Volume wins. She was sitting down a bit more on her punches, though. Um, and Jennifer Maya, like I said, man, she had trouble at the scale, and sure enough, she did. Like, it looks like everything has to go right for her to make that weight, and she's still saying she's going to do it, I guess, right? I don't know. Um, boy, this was a bad pick, but also, and not even in my defense, but it really just was a really bad performance as well, like terrible. Even for, you know, bad pick on my part. Not, not trying to, bad pick, bad bet. But, yeah, Lyman good defeating chance, run counter. 
Um, yeah, I just don't know what the fuck that guy was doing in there. And uh, good on Lyman, you know, he, he did. He, if you're, you know, that guy's gonna keep giving him chances to to, to throw crosses down the down the center, then that's what you're gonna do, and that's what you're gonna eat, and that's what Chance did. Uh, Hakeem Dewodu defeated Julio Arce. Um, it was a good technical fight. Dewodu was hard on himself. He probably just, you know, again, he doesn't. He actually gave, and, and to his respect, he actually gave respect to his. I watched after he was, he was giving respect to the other team and this and that. I just think, you know, kind of like he gets so insulted, he, he so, and he, his ego should be high. He's a fighter. He's an athlete. He's this, he, he needs it. I'm not hating, but I'm just saying. It was so high, that's why he was almost disrespectful to the Asian guy for knocking him down. And I think he kind of thought that Arce wasn't going to have anything for him either, which is really dumb because Arce's really good. Um, and I just think that, you know, he was just kind of, even though he won, he kind of felt humbled in there. So that's probably why he didn't feel good with his performance because it wasn't really a bad one when you consider his competition. So looking forward to see what Duwadu can keep doing. All right, we're going to move on to UFC 244. As I look at the time here, 20 minutes, all right. Probably spoke too much on um, on uh, the old uh, stupid politics shit. And I probably went nowhere with that. So sorry, folks. Oh, shout out to John Hooper Reigns at Wilkes Booth. Says, uh, I, uh, what does he say here? He said, I'm going to pull up this tweet real quick. It's right at the top here. All right, Dan Tom. I just got my girl in MMA a couple months ago and fight picking. So I told her about at the PYM podcast and she's already doing better at picking fights than I am. Can you give her fake picks from sometime? Or can you give her fake picks sometime? I'll, I'll see about that. Kind of, kind of ruined that by reading your tweet out loud, didn't I? Boy, good job, Dan. Uh, <laughs> shouts though, shouts to John Hooper Reigns. All right, uh, headline in the car. We got Zabit Magomed Sharapov minus two eighty comeback on Calvin Cater plus two forty. Uh, got the full breakdown up on MMAJunkie.com for anything I miss. I was. Going toward Cater until I realized this was three rounds. Um, as high as I've been on Zabit for a minute, folks, you guys know that. I also kind of started dying down. Not so much after the Bochniak fight. That was the weird card in general. But then when I saw those trends again with Steven, him slowing down, clock checking. You know, Dan Tom, no matter how much I like a guy, if someone's cl- checking that clock in the third round, Dan Tom is, is going to gonna probably take a shot and fade him in any kind of durable grinder um, they face. However, this isn't a five-round fight. And there are certain things that I think Magomed Sharapov will play well against Cater. You know, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to make of that performance still when I, when I go back and look at it because, you know, the commentary will throw you off and it'll really make you question the logic there. And I remember actually, you know, about him not checking the late kicks of Moicano. And I actually remember having a conversation and I didn't go back to listen to the episode because I'm like 99.99% positive it was off air with Tyson Chartier and, and Calvin about that fight. And I forget what it was, what the reasoning was, but they had a, uh, it wasn't that they were trying to ignore it or, or uh, I don't even want to, I don't want to put words in their mouth to say what it was. Um, but I remember going, oh, okay, that that makes sense. And then, you know, you look at it later, and he still would get hit, but he was a little bit, you know, he's a little more cognizant of his in and out and or making people pay. Uh, like I said, he might do with Lamas, and then he did. Um, unfortunately, even though I picked Lamas there because I was a little just bit of a biased pick, but I, I did say he's probably going to catch him with a one-two off, off a naked kick and boom, there it was. 
And then he followed up, of course, uh, with a faint jab, left hook, right hand. That was just beautiful. Um, and it was funny, you know, like talk about, uh, you know, uh, you know, of positioning and, and, and staying on balance and stuff like he reminds me very much of like a Jorge Masvidal, the way he, he punches uh, Calvin Cater. You know, he kind of stays. And it's funny. I forget what maybe it was that that fight against Moicano. Their talk, commentary, they were talking about blood on his feet. It was coming from his nose, but it was just hitting the same part of his foot because he keeps his, he keeps his you know, because he keeps his weight. He keeps his weight right on, you know, a little heavy on the front leg. You know, I was, I, you know, it, there's different styles, of course. Um, depending on what stance or what kind of style I'm, I'm assuming, but for typical boxing for MMA, you know, I was kind of I was always taught to sit on that, sit, sit a bit on that lower hip, um, and stay a little lighter on your front until you're ready to really shift in and pivot forward and move off of that or shift off of that. Because when you do load forward, um, there are benefits to that. Uh, there are faster triggers, but you're also faster there to be hit by leg kick triggers, right? Because your weight is always over, it's over forward. And it was just so funny to see like the blood go nowhere. Else. You could tell how disciplined he was by where his blood was dropping. Like that was like a marker, like that showed that his, he's keeping his head on balance over his feet the whole time. So he had his power, you know, underneath him. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, the problem is though, like I went through like all those beats fights, and I don't see any motherfuckers getting close to him with any jabs. Granted, this is gonna be the best jabber he's faced, but when you look at it, even guys with like some somewhat of length parity, like. Or not even length parity, but like, or decent strikers at least, because it's really hard to get length parity in the beat at that weight. But you just you barely see it seldom coming close. Like I say in my breakdown, from just a youth spent, you know, shouts to Mix Molly Whoppery, by the way for that. I love that video. I'm gonna reshare that again. I shared it once before, but the uh, the Shaolin of Dagestan, you know, and it talks about a uh, a beats teacher. Uh, Gusein uh, Magomayev, um, and that was just such a great story, such an awesome story, inspiring story that guy is, and his his outlook for such a crazy part of the world, you know, you know, talk about human rights and politics and religious fanaticals and all this crazy stuff that obviously Dan Tom is just I'm I'm a middle guy, you know what I'm saying, man? I'm not I'm not trying to be extreme one way or the other. I'm just I'm just trying to be happy with everybody. Um, and that kind of seems like the attitude of Gusein Magomayev and trying to use martial arts, something that I hold dear to my heart, teaching something that I am passionate about. And just, I really feel like I get along with that guy, man. That I just, I love that shit. Um, I think spending just, you know, and fuck man, I, I didn't spend 10 to 12 years straight after X amount of years doing freestyle wrestling like Zabit did, but just from doing years of Taekwondo, karate, Kung Fu, and then getting into the Muay Thais and kickboxings and boxings of the world. Um, it just, by the time I was really into the, 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 the heavier contact of the kickboxing, boxing, and MMA, all that training from practical, applied, and granted in different ways, but applied, whether it be sparring, drills, kempos, whatever you want to call it, what it does give you is a sense of distance management. You know, I talk about that with the difference of what makes the karate strikers what makes that work? It's not just, it's not anybody can look like a jackass and put their hands low and widen their stance and blade it. It's not about that. It's about understanding the distance so you can manipulate space in said style. And you don't get that distance practice without seeing 
a variety of strikes like you do in, uh, in in more traditional martial arts where it's not just a jab and a hook and it will, okay, how long now the reach is a bigger factor when you only have a couple you know you only have limited weapons you can, I'm not coming at boxing here folks but I'm just saying when you only have limited weapons you can throw then yeah okay maybe you get a long longer person now that's why oh well, uh, reach is such a big deal when you're doing you know uh, a not mixed martial arts but a more traditional martial arts where you have kicks different strikes from different angles and body types now you're getting much more thrown at you. Also, you're not stuck to rigid timings of jab, jab, hook, hook, cross, hook, or even Muay Thai, you know, you know, uh, you know, cross, hook, leg kick, you know, right? It's all these like very drill, uh, very uh, what do you call? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, rote, rote timing, rote combinations, the, the creativity, the variance. It's hard to put together with consistency. There's a reason why we don't see it successful, but that doesn't mean there's not benefits from it. And the benefit is that distance management, seeing all those things come at you. And uh, and yeah, and, and Sheripov seems like it's just really hard to hit him, hit you know, hit him clean in that regard. Now I'll be curious if guys can kick with him or throw certain things, but his his kicking is is is, is rechambering his balancing and the way he uses it for just it's not just normal kicking. There's there's purpose there. They're using it to reset, move, check space. It's not all just for offense. It's it's really just ingrained layered kicking uh, that's very very rare. And when you look at not just leg kicks, but actually body kicks was something else that was kind of consistently landing on Cater throughout his. His at least the later part of his career, um, and uh, so that's so that's just something I can't help but see. But body and leg kicks, and then wrestling. You know, um, Cater's underrated wrestling. He comes from a wrestling base. He's got really good getups that he even showed early on, back like in when he had a cup of coffee in Strike Force back in the day, as like a young twenty-year-old. Um, the dude's got good uh, get-up hustle. The problem is he, since he does have the the wrestling base, he will turtle. So against a guy like Sharapov, who's got guillotines, anacondas, back takes, sticky rides that he just loves riding when guys, he forces guys to that turtle position. He rides them all day. I just feel like he's going to have a sticky blanket. For, even even if even if he starts getting off on the feet, then Sharapov's really going to change levels because he can operate from the clinch, but he also can change levels in the open. Again, he's got the freestyle wrestling, not just that tight Dagestani style of, you know, body lock and suffocation. He's He's, he's got some chains as well he can go to. Um, and I think that's what it's going to be for two out of the three rounds. And maybe he just has to survive the, uh, the third. Um, otherwise I would, I would be playing new England cartel at plus two forty all day long. If you took a shot on cater, good luck. I'm not playing Magomed Sharapov despite picking him because of the price. So good luck on underdog players, but my pick is a beat. All right. Alexander Volkov minus two seventy five. Greg Hardy plus two thirty five. Um, Yeah. Breakdown just dropped on this as I recorded this today on uh, MMA Junkie. Recorded it earlier this week with uh, shouts John Morgan. I got John Morgan back on uh, on some videos with me this week. We'll see. Uh, we're gonna be rolling out some new things. Hopefully, you guys dug that spitting back click and other things. It's all. It's good to see the OGs coming together, especially like you know Morgan and Goes and 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 Gigi chopping it up like old school uh, old school Junkie Radio. Which by the way, you can still listen to those guys on the podcast and the gorgeous George and Goes show on Patreon. All right, um, but yeah, uh, this fight, Greg Hardy versus Volkov, right? Hardy's taking it on a short notice, trying to make a statement, but I just think, I kind of compared it to Eric Anders, and I like Eric Anders, but uh, I'm not, it's not a knock on him, but as far as just like, you know, the, the, the obvious parallels of athletes getting pushed into it because of their potential, and they're good, 
you know, uh, you know, as, as far as you know, commensurate to their peers, but they, you get pushed faster, and that could be a good thing with the way you know Greg Hardy was getting pushed in the beginning, or that could be a bad thing with. You know, when you raise your hand, and we see, we've seen kind of mixed results from Eric Anders, and now I think we're going to start to see Greg Hardy do that because, well, now he ain't protected, folks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to spend too much time on this fight, to be honest. Uh, not much to say about Hardy. The inhaler gate, uh, you know, I, I already said, like, hey, it looked impressive. I, I'm glad that he looked like he's actually taking this seriously, and I took the silver linings from that, the leg kicks, the, the feints, the subtle things, but... You know, it was a hand-picked guy who, you know, I, those guys are sleepers. Ben Sassoli, those Samoans are heavy-handed. Southpaw, he did a lot of the things that I like in an underdog, and he will upset people down the line. But again, you wanted to see more. You know, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're going to hype this guy and we're going to overlook, you know, his DV convictions and stupid statements and bad team etiquette and all things, other things you really don't hear, professional on the field off the field if we're gonna if we're gonna you know give him second and third and fourth or however many chances um i, I kind of want to see see more if we're gonna hype him up that much so i do agree with that side as well again this points to both sides here folks it's crazy right i know you don't have to be on one side or the other it's crazy but at the same time uh yeah do i obviously uh try to keep my bias out of this breakdown and just get through it as fast as i can but yeah i'm not gonna lie I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to see what happens when you put a plus number, like plus 115 on inside the distance for Volkov, because I think he's going to knock him out in the second round with a counter right hand. Um, I think he respects his speed at first, touches him up, frustrates him from the outside, and gets in Hardy's head. And once he slows down, I think he just picks him apart in the second round. I don't see Greg Hardy getting out of there. Um, there's no way he could have learned anything new. There's going to be no fight-to-fight improvements, no matter how good of an athlete, no matter how young his career is. He's been having to spend time at the fucking consulate and go through this other bullshit and run around just to get over there and cleared. Within two weeks, nah, there ain't, there ain't, ain't nothing there. He ain't gonna. I don't even think he's going to have his normal coaching crew there, I don't think either. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, and uh, no inhaler either, which, by the way, um, they gave me one for to, to just, just... I didn't even ask for one. They gave me, prescribed me one with this last doctor's thing, and I... I took you, man. This shit's like speed. I tweeted that out. I was like, holy fuck. I was like, because that's a side effect. It really gets you wired, like shaky. You're like, oh, holy crap. Not saying anything, but for what that's worth, that was an interesting insight. No, I didn't get the inhaler. I'm not fucking, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a method actor. I'm not a, I'm not a method analyst. All right, I'm a method analyst. I gotta go get punched to know. <laughs> well, I already did that plenty, but. Now we got to get an inhaler. Now that feels right now. Pick is pick is Alexander Volkov. Surprise, surprise, folks. Um, and uh, I'll just be looking forward to seeing what Twitter reacts on that fight. All right, next fight: Zalim Amadiev uh, minus two thirty. Your favorite, Danny Roberts. Come back on him plus one ninety. Uh, line has widened on this, and I get why. I like hot chocolate Roberts. I like Southpaws. Um, Amadiev seemed like an asshole. This is an easy one where I was like, oh, let's 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 see. Well, should I pick? Can I pick Roberts here? But man, it's tough, man. I mean, you just go back and look in like the last three or four four years. He's almost getting rocked in every fight, win or lose. Danny Roberts, and you got to wonder. I, I'm one of the last guys to accuse guys of chin or suspect chin or this or that. I, I I seldom do that on this on this podcast, but Danny Roberts may be a guy where I worry about that. Um, and, he, you know, you do look, he was 22-2 and two or something as a boxer, and he was an action boxer. 
So, you know, he's got miles that are beyond his MMA miles, in other words. You know, obviously, there's guys with way more boxing fights than that. But you know what I'm saying? You combine the MMA, the sparring, the years. And, uh, and yeah. And also, he's not, uh, you know, even though he's got underrated ground, uh, a ground game, he's more opportunistic. So the guy clenches with him. You know, he'll have guillotines, triangles. He'll have scrambles. And he'll, he'll, he's got moves, reversals, and switch. But he's not implementing it like maybe he should especially in this match now could he possibly he does work with some good wrestlers down in the florida we got like logan storley and other guys like that down there right a chandler at the the uh, uh hard knocks 365 uh so you know maybe maybe he implements it but i haven't seen it that strongly i mean i saw it more earlier in his cage warriors career if anything like we really seen him go away from that so that'll be really interesting to see Whereas Medayev, you know, this guy trains everywhere. Um, and now he looks like he's been uh, just doing this camp over Mark Henry's with Zabit. You know, he's in ca- he's in full cast and crew. It's kind of hard to uh, think this guy's not going to be prepared. And uh, with knockouts being his game and, you know, he's got um, some hustle and get-ups and separations to him too. Looks like he can get tired as well. But they both look like they can get tired toward the end. That's the thing. It's not even like... Roberts being the veteran has like a crazy gas edge because we see him get tired in fights slash again can't avoid dog fights and this guy's gonna bring a dog fight so um I hate to see it I hope I'm wrong uh, I'm not playing him a die of but the pick is him a die of by knockout next fight Cadis Ibrahimov minus 140 Ed Herman comeback on him is plus 120 God damn it, Zane Simon. Zane Simon tweeted a while ago, like uh, when Cadis was going to make his debut. He goes, This guy looks like a, a the minister, like a minister's son or something, like some like handsome minister or whatever. And like like a preacher, a young, the handsome young preacher in a movie or something. Like Cadis and Bragamoff, you look at him, he's got the, the perfect, the jowls and the smile and the wholesome look. Like it's hilarious. I'm like, That's so fucking true. I'll take it a step further. He almost seems like the guy, like. Who, whether he's a preacher or, or like, uh, he's like the strongest town person, you know, and the bad, the bad guy comes into town and they all, they make a statement and like would kill that guy, like on his wedding day, you know, like he'd have like a beautiful wife or something and like they'd be celebrating and the bad guy steps in and they, they kill the really good looking strong guy and you're like, oh my God, what, what is going on in the story? It's like one of those turns, like that's who, I know it's a really random particular characterization that has nothing to do with the technical breakdown. But I just wanted to add that to Zane Simon's uh <laughs> KDC Bragamoff uh central casting <laughs> stereotype. Uh and he's facing Ed Short Fuse Herman. That was fun, man. I went back and watched not all of Ed Herman's fights, obviously way too many, but you know, I went back and watched them, even from like the Glover to Shara fight, which there's this fun copy. I don't know if it was like Corey, but Shell Sunnan's on there with um Ed and uh, they're kind of doing like this, their own commentating on it. It's great. It's real early before Chael did any commentating, but you can hear where he has his chops, and uh, and it was funny, man. And uh, yeah, Herman, you know, is getting on top of Glover and avoiding submissions and just 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 pounding him there. And Herman's a, you know, he's got a wrestling, a bit of a wrestling base himself, but you know, just the years and then all the knee surgeries. Remember, he had those extensive knee surgeries back to back. I think that kind of affected him, but then he would show some like quick wrestling scrambles, like in the Gian Vellante fight. So I don't know if it's the move up to 205, you know, that helped, you know, has helped keep them healthier, and I think makes more sense. He's a big guy; he's fine for the weight class. Remember, I picked him to TKO uh, Tim Bosch, and he got him with knees. And then even though I actually picked against him in his last fight, I did because you know I'm a little bit of a homer for Pat Cummins as well. 
in case you didn't forget, folks, I said, hey, I live tweeted where the fight was going. I said, hey, Cummins keeps dipping that head. He's going to run into that Herman knee. And what happened? So I've always felt like I've had a pretty decent read on Herman as well, whether I'm, you know, whether I'm backing him or not. Um, not overly counting. I'm not overtly counting him out, I guess you could say. Whereas just from his age, I can see why people count him out. I know a lot of the hot words is he's slow. This guy's super slow. He's so slow. But like, has he ever been fast? Because <laughs> like, I, again, I went back to watch his early fights and, and speed was never his thing. You know, has, you know he, he has his deceptive hand speed maybe slowed down a bit? Sure. Yeah. Has his overall speed slowed down a bit? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But I mean, was it ever a key to his game and was he ever fast? No, no. <laughs> he also throws, his best punches are also hook uppercuts, which are going to be great for Cadis, the guy who's going to look for his takedowns and dive his head into those hooks and uppercuts. And he's also going to take his breaks. Because when, here's the thing with Cadis is like, Every time he goes to traditional wrestle, even though he's got Sambo background, I, I'm not sure even at this stage he's going to be that much of a hands-down better wrestler than Herman. Would he better? Should he be able to take Herman down somehow? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. However, this, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is Cadis's best takedowns. He's really, he's you know, judo is like the stepsister of, of Sambo, right? But Cadis is really more toward of more, more. Even though he's got a lot of knockouts in his Sambo, he does have the heavy right hand that is going to be live here, folks, especially in the first round. That's probably the most logical outcome, I'm guessing, is why he's favored. But aside from that, he is much more toward the judo side, even within MMA. Just his whole grappling sambo side of his game is more toward the judo side. He really loves those uchimatas. He loves the hip tosses. The problem in MMA, though, is guys know how to roll through. And if you're not good at controlling, which it's a hard position to control because he gets so much torque and leverage, especially with the way he fucking hips into it. That guys just always end up getting up. Like he didn't doesn't really score much control time. Even against guys who aren't as good or don't have the ground bases, you go watch his other fights. Like it's not about controlling. He's more just an opportunistic. He's just having fun out there. He's got a he's got a stupid chin because he's got you know he's got like I got I got a big face too. I got big jowls and it helps us take a shot. It looks like he's got some of that too. I ain't hating, but it looks like he's got a stupid chin, right? And he's just kind of he's young, dumb, full of you know what. And uh, he looks like he goes out there and he, he wants to get these opportunistic finishes and puts them together, but he just doesn't think that the, the IQ is bad. He takes guys down without controlling them. He gets guys hurt in the show up and doesn't even bother to go to the body. He'll fucking punch their elbows, which looks like it fucking hurts. Like, he does really stupid stuff. Like, his accuracy is not that great for having, like, boxing in his background, too. And then, like, he's just really awkward. Like, he's got the power, but he, he relies on it too much. I mean, even in, like, from fuck around videos to Mitz videos that I watched, too, as well recently, like, the technique on some of this shit, I'm like, this looks fucking so awkward. What the fuck is he doing? And I find out that he's only taking this fight on a week notice. So he's making a mistake. He already took a short notice fight against a deceptive, um, a deceptive athlete. Um... Uh, the Korean guy, right? And Koreans, dude, they're tough, man. They're the toughest of the Asians, folks. They they got the chin, the power, you know, the draw structure. Uh, they're bigger. <laughs> that was big Korean. Um, and uh, he underestimated him and paid for it. Um, now he's going to go in and take another fight on short notice. This guy feels like he's shooting himself in the foot. When I was breaking this fight down, these guys are on clear, different fighters on clear, different trajectories. But this is like... Loser goes to Bellator to me. I feel like if Ed Herman loses, he's going to Bellator. Because UFC, did they like? Hopefully, did they get him in the video game finally? For Christ's sakes, Jesus Christ! Um, and Ibragamov, like you know, 
Scotty Cokes is picking up those. Like he'll be like like Antoli Tokov and like those guys. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll be like a baby Fedor. Like he'll be like he'll be like one of those. Like oh, this guy had a lot of promise. He didn't make it out in the UFC, but he had a cup of coffee there, and he's a Sambo champ. And you know they'll dress him up real big. Like they'll pick him up. Um, but yeah, Kadis and Brag- Bragamoff, I I'm kind of not that I have like the highest hopes for this guy or anything, but I'm just like. I'm kind of bummed that he feels like he's shooting himself in the foot here, even though he's favored, and, and who knows, he'll probably win, even though I'm picking, and I'm going to, it's biased, don't follow me off the cliff, I put the star here on my paper, it's a little bit of a biased pick, you know, again, I got to go back and see my old coach, Robert Follis, and all these, it's, it, it tugs at my hat strings, I'll admit my bias when it's there, but honestly, bias aside, I feel like I'm doing a, a, a pretty in-depth job of at least laying down, you know, some some facts as to why this isn't a you know he's not as favored in why I'm I'm actually going to be picking and playing Ed because if Ed survives this 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 that first round I think it's an ugly fight but that's an that's 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 how Ed makes his money um, and that's where this kid gets into trouble. Uh, so I'm actually going to go with Ed Herman who's had a had a full camp um, versus the guy who's taking this fight on a week notice. All right, uh, Shamil. Gamzatov, minus 175. Clinton a come back on him, plus 155. All right, uh, this one's tough, man. Shamil Gamzatov. I've, I, like, I, I've researched him, like, twice now. Like, this is a guy I researched for PFL. And then, what the fuck has he been doing? I don't even know. Um, and then he's, like, out for a while. But he really, he's a really good grappler. It's just his striking worries the shit out of me. And I think he's just because he's undefeated and seems like he's got a decent chin. He's just overly confident, but he just looks like he's fucking there to be hit and choppy. And it worries, it worries me. Um, Abreu is powerful, but at the same time, he's just, I I don't know if he's going to knock him out or not, but uh, I see here. What the fuck? I'm trying to pull Yeah, this guy hasn't fought since Rex Harris in PFL. Wow, 2018. Um, sorry. Now this is really bad for podcasting. I just I studied this fight like three days ago. Now it's out of my head already. And <laughs> yeah, it's only got four KOs. Um, yeah, unless Clinton's more of a top guy, man. Uh, he he he's been doing jujitsu forever. Uh, but this is real interesting one too because. Yeah, yeah, this one's really interesting, too, because Shamil was training... Uh, he did some training in American Top Team um, earlier this year, early 2019. And now he's been training back in Russia. But now Klitsin looks like he trained in the back half of 2019 at American Top Team. And he's even got, like... You know, he's making sure to take pictures with, like, the Russian and Dagestani guys who are there. You know, you know what he's doing. You know he's trying to do subtle flexes, whereas the guy's like, Hey, please, I don't want to be in this picture. I look like traitor now. Uh, so... You know, Clinton's getting good training. Um, but, yeah, I do wonder about this. What, what weight is this fight at, too? That was another thing because... You see, it's listed as middleweight, but I don't think Clinton can make middleweight. <laughs> Let's see what it's listed as here. Jesus, that's listed as middleweight. Wow. I don't know how this guy makes middleweight. He missed weight at 205 and looks like a thick guy. He looks like a heavyweight for goddamn sure. So yeah, I don't I don't know about that. I think as long as Shamil cannot get hit by something stupid and 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 allow this guy on top of him, he should he should cruise here. Um, either put him away or or, or get a, get the decision. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super. I'm not super confident in this fight for some reason. It's got a weird feel to me, so I put it on my avoid list. I'm not saying you should. If you see something that I'm not, by all means, folks, go out and play it. Um. All right. All right. Next fight: Magomed Ankalaev, Dagestani Stipe Miocic, as I call him, because he looks like like put a more pointy nose and the Dagestan beard on Stipe, and it's Magomed Ankalaev. It's crazy. Come back on his opponent, Dolce Lagiambula, plus 330 for Dolce Champion, which I think is a terrible name. I think it's just such a lazy name. Dolce Champion. Joanna Champion. I hated Joanna Champion, too. I think that was stupid as shit, too. Sorry. <laughs> I'm fucking salty, folks. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, given certain things the time of day just pissed me off, apparently. But, um, yeah, I, uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah. I guess I could see why this line's wide, man, because Dolce is just super raw, man. Um, even f- for the time he's been fighting, he's still raw. I just I don't know if this is gonna be if it's something he's gonna be able to snap out of or what, because maybe that's just how he was in his judo game too. Um, second degree black belt, I believe. But like again, it's kind of like a, he doesn't really control the best. Um, he, he, I mean, if the guy's not not great, he will. But against a guy like Magomed Ankalaev, I think Ankalaev will know what to do. Um, on the ground, you know, granted, you got triangle by Paul Craig, I know, but I don't think that's going to happen here with Dolce, uh, Liambula, uh, Lagiambula. He, uh, likes to get on top and, and go Donkey Kong, and, uh, I think he's got a power choke or two, but, but nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy. So I pull it up here again. This was another one a couple days ago. It was crazy too. I was rewatching some of the stuff, and they put some good stuff. EFC, some good promotional content, and they're they're kind of going over Dolce's loss and the kind of things at play there um, when he when he lost by submission. Um, he's only got one submission. That oh, was an armbar. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's right, judo. They only go they only go for quick submissions, and you know the the, the naywas of the groundwork they don't allow that long for judo. So that's why a lot of these guys don't really have that developed control game. And that's Dolce Lagiambula. And back to his loss, they were kind of talking about um, back when he was with his other camp called Dragon Power. Um, or Dragon Force or some shit. And uh, I saw this guy there. I was like, holy shit. That, I can't even think of his name now. He's this Asian guy with long hair. And he was a Muay Thai guy. And from South Africa. I'm from South Africa. Yes, I'm from South Africa. And he was really creepy. And he was like, yes. And I came down to the Extreme Couture and I taught Randy for the Brendan Vera fight. Uh, you might have saw that creepy Asian guy in his corner. And this dude was so weird, dude. He was like Master Tong or something or something like that. What the fuck did we call him? I forget. I mean, he was talented and taught some good shit, but I just, dude, that guy was just fucking weird. And then he would always, because I was always around and I was a good partner, he would always pair me up with like his welter and middleweight, like Muay Thai guys, and I would just get fucked up. Like, I remember getting concussed so bad going with this like 185, 200 pounder. Dude, and this is when Dan Tom was only like, you know, around 160, 170. And, um, holy fuck, man. Just, just getting, just smashed. Like, and the dude was really weird, too. And then, like, he got, like, an extreme couture tattoo inside of his arm. I was trying to see if he got that removed or not. But, like, and then there was some shady stuff. I don't, I don't want to say, but, because uh, I don't know the whole story. But, yeah, he's, he's, his tenure was short. Anyways, that was kind of weird to see him with Dolce's camp around when he got that loss. And they are kind of settling. <laughs> that guy had something to do with it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think uh, I think, I think think Uncle Iav's going to take him out here. Um, his stupid power and his grounded power, I think we're going to see some of that. If not, I think he should be able to win enough wrestling exchanges to get the decision.
All right. Um, I only put one unit on the Meave, by the way, minus 125. Um, and only a half unit on that plus 115 Volkov inside the distance. All right. Next fight here. Jesus. A lot of fights. Uh, Rustam Khabilov, minus 185. Sergey K. Honda. K. Hondosko. Plus 160. Um, taking Kabilov here, I'm just not... I put a star, Kabilov by decision, question mark, plus 115, because I think that's worth a shot if you're looking at some degenerate shit to keep you awake for this fight. Because Kabilov's probably going to go to decision. I don't know what happened to Kabilov, man. Like, he was Dagestan Airlines, and, you know, I, I don't know if it was because, you know, he failed to take over Air Force One with Gary Oldman when, when Harrison Ford cut him short, and... He's been having flashbacks, and Dagestan Airlines has just been shut down. But the guys has been boring as shit. And that's another thing about the, watching, like, that's why guys like Peter Yan are so goddamn impressive, or like these other just Russian more boxers. Because these low pace Russian kickboxers, my God, is it fucking rare to find guys that throw more than three punches? Three or more punches, I should say. Like doing tape study in the majority of these guys fucking kickboxing. And I'm talking about the good ones to the bad ones. Like, that's the common thread. Like, the low pace Russian coasting. My God, there's going to be some of that here. Um, except that Rustam's spins actually look better than Sergei Kehanda Dosko's, which is funny because Sergei is one of those rare um, karate kickboxers like an Alexander Volkov, you know, where because karate was weird. It was, it was outlawed for a while, which was why, you know, um, Gusein Magomayev, Zabid Magomed Sharapov's coach, left Moscow to go to Dagestan and teach more Wushu Sanda, where that was more accepted. Then finally, a more uh, sport version of karate was finally accepted, which is like what you'll see Volkov or K Honda, Sergey K Honda do. Except Sergey K Honda is like a newborn deer. It's like a. He's like, his legs seem constantly unstable. He just seems really choppy. And he's got a, a, a sharp left hook that he works really well off of. he just spams the fucking shit out of it um Kabilov down there at Tiger Muay Thai doing the rounds training around with everybody um I don't know man I think it's it's sad but we're probably just gonna see another fucking Kabilov decision so that plus 115 I may actually hit that we'll see if I need to help to stay awake but that's the only angle I see pick his Kabilov do what you will uh next fight Dead even, Roman Kopilov, Carl Roberson. I want to say Roberson was a dog, but uh, he maybe got bet up. Um, but yeah, I, I actually did some decent watching on this fight on both sides because I Kopilov missed my radar. He hasn't really been on too many cross as far as what my beat is. He hasn't really crossed it too much. Um, or the weight classes that I usually pay attention to over there. So I, I haven't seen too much of him. So I went back and watched. That was interesting because I saw... A man over there posting in the beginning of the week, you know, post uh, Lord Honky Humongous always post fight clips, and I don't do my tape study through through clips. Obviously, I do my own research, but I remember when he posted Kopilov, just seeing that he was a southpaw, going, "Ooh, we got some southpaw versus southpaw action," and Carl Roberson, even though his record may indicate otherwise, he actually likes south going against southpaws. Um, it opens up his 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 more of his his kickboxing and Muay Thai, kind of like I said it would for Darren Till, though I didn't heed my own words, did I? Uh, and those leg kicks were open there for Darren Till, weren't they? So perhaps it'll be the case this time. I'm actually going to go with Carl Roberson. Um, it's hard to tell. Kopilov looks really small, man. Because again, like I said before, a lot of these these Russian guys, like me, like they're they're, they're smaller than you might think. And it's not a bad thing necessarily, 
But I don't know. This guy just seems small. Like, I got to see him next to Robertson because Robertson's big middleweight. I mean, he looks like he could be an athletic heavyweight if he wanted to, a lighter, a lighter heavyweight. But you know what I'm saying? And that's essentially what middleweights are. Middleweights are heavyweights who cut weight. You know, Julian Marquez told me, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That all stuck in my head. I'm like, yeah, you guys are like middleweights who cut weight or heavyweights who cut weight. Um, and Roberson also should have power. Maybe not so much speed, but it's not going to be that far off because of, he's explosive, you know. I hate using that word. <laughs> so racist. But um, are, black, are African-American athletes extra flammable? Why are they so explosive? <laughs> it's so racist. But um, no, I, I like Roberson's style. And more importantly, he can counter. Uh, Kopilov doesn't really counter. He'll faint you out and then kind of come back with a blitz. But he's not like – he doesn't have like sharp shooting – uh, the same kind of sharp shooting uh, trigger counters that I think Roberson carries from his left, especially. Uh, also, fighting, looking at guys Kopilov face, I, there really weren't guys that seemed to have like they would try and they would get some counters in. And, and but um, granted, Kopilov style is he breaks you down more as the fight goes on. That's another reason why I like Roberson here. It's only three rounds. It's not going to be like the five round fights that Kopilov's been getting like fourth round stoppages in. Um. But, yeah, like, he doesn't look like he's fighting guys that can counter that well either. And then, out on top of it, Kopilov doesn't look like he's interested in going to the ground. He looks like he's really good at avoiding it, which is good for him. But at the same time, Roberson looks like he's got a surprising ground game when he wants to. Like, that that lifting takedown that he hit on Jack Marshman, like, I could see him taking a smaller guy like Kopilov off of his feet if he times it right. So I'm actually going to go with Roberson here. I didn't play it. I'm going to see if he goes back down to plus money. Um, and even at a pick em, it might be worth a shot just, just, just for fun. If you, if you really like a lean on either guy, but for a fight like this, it would probably take some plus money for me to pull the trigger on Roberson. So I, I put him here as a tentative, uh, as a play, but he, he is my pick. All right. Next fight. Uh, Abukabar under Magomedov minus 310. David Zavada plus 255 is the comeback on him. So, uh, yeah, Zavada's a gamer, man. Um, you know, he, he trains over that UFD gym, so he's getting uh, he's getting another Namagamadov, a bus to work with, the middleweight up his weight class. That's a, that's a good partner. Um, although different stance, uh, is bus a southpaw as well? Maybe that is a good partner because I'm pretty sure it's hard because uh, Abu Abubakar he's fought southpaw more recently, but then he's also fought orthodox, and then we haven't seen him. So it's like, what the fuck are we gonna get? You know what I'm saying? Um, it's hard to tell. That being said, this guy wasn't my PFL pick to win the, the bracket uh, for nothing, although he did get upset uh, by Pavel Kush with that uppercut. That'll be something to watch for here with Zawada throwing. Um, hopefully he learned his lesson off that, and, you know. Uh, and then, of course, the other loss was to Magomed Mustafaev. But if you look at that fight, like he was winning and then got hit with like some rogue spin shit, and they had to cut, the doctor had to call it. It was really weird. And Mustafaev obviously is no joke. So I'm actually going to go with Abukabar. The line is too heavy for me to play him, really. But um, but I think he I think he can wrestle his way. He should be able to wrestle his way fine um, against Sawada. Now, especially if you look at you know the grappling exchanges Sawada had with guys like from Leach to even Roberts. So um, I'm going to go with Abukabar there. All right, next fight: Jessica Rose Clark minus 115. Penny Kianzet, practically a pick of minus 105. I want to say Kianzet opened as the favorite. And I think money came in on Clark, probably because she's popular, which I get. I'm I'm a fan of Clark. Uh, she's someone I'm biased towards, so there's going to be a bias here, folks. This fight's on the avoid list for that reason. 
I like me some Jessica Rose Clark. She's one of the, one of the cooler pe- people, uh, fighters I've gotten to interact with the interview. And, uh, you know, can't help but root for her. Um, the first fight, you know, it was uh, weird times in the career, I guess, for both. But Kian Zen showed out, and uh, her top control really just won it over. But I think that um, Jessica Rose Clark's ground game has gotten better since then. They both have. I don't know if that's going to be the exact route. Uh, I didn't go back and watch Peony Kian. I watched their last fight, but I didn't get a chance to go watch uh, Julia Avila, her loss to Julia Avila. And I do remember that I picked Julia Avila, but I can't remember why. So, again, I'm, I'm terrible analysis for your folks, but... I, I don't know. I, I like what CSA is doing. I like that change that Jessica Rose Clark made as well going up there. So I'm going to go ahead and take her to um, get this on output. But I'm, I'm not playing it, and I wouldn't recommend it touching this fight. All right, next fight, Gregory Popoff, minus 175. Davey Grant. You always remember. You remember Davey. Yeah, Davey Grant. <laughs> Why do you got to make him sound like a pervert? Uh, <laughs> Davey Grant is back. Um... And Gregory Popoff, I don't know. I'm actually going to take uh, David Grant here. He looks like he's 38, but he's 33, and Popoff is a spry 35. Um, they both shift stances and will just eat shots because of it. Popoff obviously is the better striker. He's the Muay Thai champion, but you really didn't see too much of that prowess. I really wasn't too impressed seeing him in there against Eddie Wyland. was just not clinching, did not know how to throw his hands till it was too goddamn late. Just like almost as off balancing himself, throwing at bad ranges, making really bad choices. Just not a good look for a guy with that credential. Um, so uh, and you know it's just weird. He's got but yet he's got two fucking two of his three submission wins are Goga Platas. And that's his favorite submission, so it's weird. So I guess as long as Davey Grant can stay out of the Goga Plata, I think his pressure is going to win this. I think he can get takedowns. He's had serviceable takedowns against the fence. Granted, it would get him in trouble when he would take guys down like Damian Stasiak, but. He will be the bigger, uh, I think he'll be the slightly bigger and stronger uh, and longer fighter. Um, and he's come off worse layoffs before and has been able to get wins. Of course, a little bit of help from a little Mark Goddard there. Cheeto, listen, Cheeto. <laughs> that fight was so hard to watch, god damn. But, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take a shot on uh, Davy Grant here. Uh, I may take a degenerate shot on him but on uh, to keep awake, but I'm not telling you to. Uh, he's not in my plays at all. In fact, he's act- this fight's on the avoid list. This is easy to call for avoid list, folks. You probably don't even want to touch this one. But he is an underdog that I'm picking for what that's worth. Uh, I just I do not have any confidence in Popoff's ground game or all-around game besides from th- spamming wild kicks and shit and random spinning shit. So as Davy Grant. If he doesn't get hit by anything rogue like that, I think he should be fine here. All right, uh, next fight. Roosevelt Roberts, minus 155. Alexander, Thunder of the North. Yakovlev, plus 135. Why can't he be Thunder of the South, if you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, well, easy, Dan. Um, this one's kind of surprising, too. Don't get me wrong. I don't like Yakovlev making this 155 weight. I just think he looks emaciated, but he, he fights from there, and he, he wins from wins there. So it is what it is. Uh, he won't have as much size parity, but I'm still not sure he's at that big of a striking disadvantage, you know? He's got pop in his shots. We've hit, we've seen him hit shifting knockouts before. Granted, it was, you know, maybe over the likes of, uh, you know, uh, George Sullivan or not as highly ranked or regarded foes, uh, opponents. No disrespect to Jersey's own George over there. But, you know, Yakovlev does have that power, whereas Roberts, he's got some technique. He'll put it on. 
He'll mix up those flying knees, which should have no play against Yakovlev. But it's interesting. I think it's like whoever's going to you know, get top position should win this one. And I think Yakovlev had to have seen what, you know, if you could get past that guillotine threat, you can um, you can work with Roberts down there. He's on a purple belt. He's a good purple belt, but he's one of those opportunistic guys. You know, he's really got his his groove. That guillotine hit on Courtry, he hits that similar thing uh, on other guys as well. It's a he's got certain moves that he likes, but outside of that, I'm still not convinced. You know, I still feel like we're far flesh from Roosevelt Roberts' full game. So to keep seeing him coming at favorite lines, especially a guy like Yakovlev, who you know. Uh, was able to go three rounds with Damian Maya and not get submitted. Um, and then, you know, he's got some good front chokes of his own. Look out. I mean, if you've got a good guillotine, you probably have good guillotine defense, right? And Yakovlev has good front chokes. Look at the way he was able to kind of mess with uh, Alex De Silva there. Uh, you know, uh, a guy who's not too shabby, might not have a big name value, but a pretty talented kid. I took a shot on him there, was wrong, but he showed some promise and came back and won his next fight. But yeah, Yakovlev submitted him. So I actually like Yakovlev here for plus money. I took a shot on Yakovlev. Um, uh, half a unit uh, plus uh, 135 here. Let me write that. Jesus. No, you did. Plus 135, half a unit. I wrote it. Um, yeah, so that's my pick there. All right, folks, we're going to go from top to bottom. Sorry about that. Hopefully this wasn't too long and painful. All right, taking Magomed Sharapov over Cater, taking Volkov over Hardy, taking Imadayev over Roberts, taking Herman over Ibragimov, taking Meev over Martin, taking Gamzatov over Abreu, taking Ankalaev over Lujambula, taking Khabilov over Kehan Dosko, taking Roberson over Kapilov, taking Nurmagomedov over Zavada, taking Rose Clark over Kianzad, Taking Popoff or taking Grant over Popoff and taking Yakovlev over Roberts. No parlay pieces, folks. Going to take a shot on Amiv at minus 125 for one unit to uh, wrestle uh, Tony Martin, uh, kind of like uh, OAM. Uh, taking Yakovlev at plus 135. Um, I think he can avoid the guillotine when striking and grappling exchanges. Taking a shot on Herman. This was a admitted bias one with a star next to it. Don't follow me off the cliff. This should be on the avoid list probably. But taking a shot on Herman at plus 120.105. Roberson with a question mark. Going to see if he goes to dog money. I'll probably take a degenerate shot if he does. Props. Volkov inside the distance. Uh, just just, just through a half a year. I'm sprinkling that on this card. This is just real light card for me. Uh, plus 115. And... Uh, Maybe, maybe I'll do Kabilov by decision at plus 115. One to look out for on the avoid list. Popoff Grant, Rose Clark, Kianzad, Abreu, um, Godzimov. All right, folks. Sorry about the random tangents and hopefully not too dark spots in there. And sorry if I was a bit light on the humor. Just trying to get, get through this one, get it out. Did some decent study and it just, I'm sorry, folks. My, my heart's a little heavy. So I, I really don't have tolerance for the, the, the douchebags of the world, uh, that you know, the the, the non likables, I guess you could say that we have to cover. And instead, I would rather pay attention to the Walt Harris's, the, the Vince Murdochs, and Ian Blanchard's. These 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 things are much more important than than the bullshit um, we have to deal with or decide to bicker about. Just my opinion. Sorry about that, folks. Not to me. Get heavy. Good luck on your picks and plays. Have a good weekend, and always protect your neck.